If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. My name is Mitch and thanks for joining us. If this is your very first time listening to the show, welcome on Mainstream. The team behind sifter.com.au discuss their experiences playing a variety of games, uh, big AAA titles, smaller micro games and uh, retro releases. It's all covered here. Uh, Adam has been turning up, the, turning up the grain and practicing swordplay in the cinematic Trek to Yomi side-scrolling black-and-white samurai game developed by Flying Wild Hog. Adam, first of all, thanks for joining me. No, my pleasure. Always fun to come on here and talk about games. First up, let's find out what's been making the news on Walkthrough. You're listening to Mainstream by Sifter. Visit us on sifter.com.au. So why don't you start off by giving me a bit of the uh, a bit of the uh, elevator pitch? What's going on in Trek to Yomi? Um, so what is Trek to Yomi? Very good question. It is three words, but it is also a game. Uh, it's by uh, Leonard Menciari and Flying Wild Hog Studios, um, and it's been a passion project that's been quite a few years in development. Published by Devolver Digital, came out at the start of May, and essentially it's a uh, it's a it's a 2D 3D game so you kind of move on the two dimensional axis in very gorgeous cinematic 3D landscapes and you kind of do a lot of kind of beat em up action combat um that's very samurai themed this is uh, a game that is steeped in the world of Japanese samurai cinema um particularly cinema from the 1960s and 50s um kurosawa being one of the directors that really you can kind of feel the influence of this in you know this is a i guess a style and genre of cinema that was evoked quite recently as well by ghost of tsushima which even went so far as to offer players a kurosawa mode when they started it up which would kind of like add a film grain make it black and white and kind of make the the sound really crackly like it was an old school film um, Trek to Yomi, though, is built from the ground up with that aesthetic in mind. Um, and so it is a completely black and white experience. Um, and it plays with light and color in a way that I really enjoy. When I say color, I just mean black and white. But it plays with, um, I guess, cinematography and the aesthetics of black and white cinema in a way that is really appealing in a game. It doesn't feel like a filter's been slapped on here. I think a lot of thought's been put into how to approach the grayscale in this game, which you know makes it quite a visual treat to go through. Um, but that is, I guess, like the bird's eye view of what Trek to Yomi is in a nutshell. Um, 
basic gameplay. I know you've played a little bit of this game, Mitch, but what was your thought on like the initial experience of like jumping into the gameplay on your end? I do like um these these are the games that I don't really get a handle on quickly. Um, like sort of uh, the beat 'em ups and like the combos and everything like that. It's not something that my brain gets used to very quickly, and it definitely wasn't the case for Trek to Yomi this time around. It it definitely um, and this is a personal thing for me. I know every, a lot of other people get it way quicker. It's something I something I have a problem with is parrying, which is one of the main things you do in this game, which is you can like block and do a and do a counter. Um, in that regard, um, I had a lot of trouble even in the story mode, um, just trying to get the uh, modes right and uh. And that must be an indicator that it is a good beat 'em up slasher game because I'm terrible at it, and I'm terrible at all of them. However, um, I do want to um, talk about a little bit about the uh, art style you touched on. I felt like it was almost like without the without my cultural affordances of knowing the cinematic influences, I thought it was. It felt very much like playing a Polaroid. Um. Yeah. I can get that as well because it is framed and shot in a way where it really cares about what is in every single shot. You've got the static camera, which is very reminiscent of like classic kind of PlayStation era kind of survival horror games where you have no control over the camera. So it it frames things really gorgeously like a series of really beautiful pictures. I did like... I did like there was a uh, very specific framing that you caught on to. Like, it, it, is, it, it does feel like an early PlayStation game where, like, you are, there are a lot less, there's a lot less agency placed on the player as to what they choose to see. It, it is a little bit more linear than the games we're used to today, where you can just turn a corner, you can do whatever you want, you can look whatever you want. Um, and this definitely shows you what it wants to see. It's very narrative. It, it's, it, it feels very narratively influenced in, like, a sort of, um, one way direction um, and uh, yeah it feels it feels very traditional in that regard mm, it definitely feels like a game that is very stylistic and narrative focused as its primary goal and I feel like in some ways maybe gameplay is coming a bit secondary in the land of Trek to Yomi because I know you mentioned the parrying mechanic and feeling like it was really kind of weird to kind of wrap your head around and I love parrying mechanics in games. Like I am number one parry fan, except for the Dark Souls series, where I find the parrying in that game just is horrible. Um, but Sekiro, Bloodborne, all sorts of other games, give me a good parry. I'm there all day. Um, this game, I got the parries really quickly um, for the first couple of levels of most of the basic enemies. But then there were some bosses where just no matter how hard I tried to parry them, their timings were very off. They were very weird. They seemed to be inconsistent between move to move. Um, I also found like the the kind of visceral appreciation of like getting a parry in this game is kind of a bit like, huh. <laughs> like you know, normally when you get a parry, you're like, oh yeah, sick camera angle, or maybe I'm going to hear a boosh or something, you know, just something fun that makes you go, oh, I did a thing. Um, in this game, time slows for like half a second, and then I guess you do the parry animation. It feels very like, I guess, floaty, um, a l- and a little bit like, I-, I guess I almost want to say like it's like covered up by cotton buds or something. It's like it's like it's soft. It's it's gentle. It bounces around. I don't know. It just doesn't have heft to it. I want my parry to have a heft, and I wanted um, sword play and gameplay to have a real heft in this game too. But it also feels a little bit floaty and a little bit non-responsive as times as well. I mean, like 
I felt like there were moments where I'd kind of get into combat and battles. And if you kind of whiff a few parries and you make a few mistakes, your health is gone in a few seconds, especially if you're... I was playing on the third difficulty, whatever that one was. Oh, I uh, full disclosure, I played it on story dif- on story difficulty. I wanted to play, I wanted to experience the story, which is which is fine. It's interesting that you mentioned the story mode because I absolutely at one point after just being really annoyed at a boss was just like, "Nah. <laughs> this, like this is not worth my time and the mechanics in this gameplay are not feeling vital or exciting enough for me to put the effort into learning this fight." I'm going to drop you down to story. And, you know, gameplay in this is, it starts off very simple. You have some very basic mechanics. You have the ability to kind of swap sides from where you're facing. So you can kind of be looking forward and enemies can be coming up behind you and you can press a button to swing around so that you can face them and attack them head on. Later on, you get combos that automatically start swinging you mid-swing. So you can kind of turn around mid-sword slash. Um, and you get a whole bunch of kind of basic like light, light, heavy attack sort of combos. Some of them I found just would never like come off no matter how much I tried. And, you know, this might be my fail with any sort of game that uses like fighting game combos where it's like multiple button presses and I feel like I could never get the timing quite right and I'll just sit there being annoyed for hours. Um, whereas other combos um, were quite easy to pull off. Um And some of those combos are tied to like your health being regenerated after an attack. And so if you can't pull those off reliably, you're not getting health back in a way that the game is kind of wanting to give you so that you're able to progress through the difficulty in this game. Um, And that was not satisfying either. Um, There's also a save point system while we're on like Adam's gripe zone. (laughs) <laughs> this game and i don't know if the save point system was as effective or impactful as i think they wanted it to be so um you can come across shrines in this game that act a little bit like sort of like a bonfire system that you would expect from like a, a Soulsborne game um you kind of pray at that shrine you get all your health back you get your resources back for the most part and it saves the game for you uh but what doesn't happen is like if you die um you kind of go back to that that place but not like nothing that you've done before has happened it's sort of like that is just saving for you it's not like the world state is shifting with decisions or whatever like it would in another game um so it can kind of lead to weird situations where like you'll use your save point and also you can only use them once and then they deactivate so you only get the healing from that save point at one point Um, when you touch it and so if you come up to one and it's in an area with all these branching off different like uh, directions to go on the map you might go one way realize it's a dead end come all the way back after five minutes of exploring in battles realize you can't reuse that save point you're probably at half health and diminished all your equipment and then you have to go the actual way and then hope that you survive till you get to another save point because if you die you've lost all the progress that you made after you first touched it and that sort of stuff just felt like really annoying and also to me felt like it was punishing me for wanting to explore in a way it was like okay you're going to explore but don't touch the save point until you're sure you're heading in the right direction because you'll waste it (laughs) and then you'll waste your time and that i think is not a really satisfying or meaty feeling if that if that kind of makes sense (laughs) i mean it's just feeling like i'm being a little bit punished for trying to explore I guess explore some of the more non-linear elements of these levels. So this is a very linear game. It's kind of split up into different chapters. 
Um, you play as a character called Hiroki, uh, who is voiced by Masayuki Kauto, who I believe does uh, voice work in Naruto and Sword Art Online. This is an entire Japanese uh, voice acting team. Uh, there's no English dub, um, but there is English subs, which is kind of really cool. Um, and it's nice to see the whole thing fully voiced as well. And it is definitely a game, I think, as we've alluded to, that is really putting that storytelling front and center. It wants to kind of give you a cinematic experience and it wants to kind of explore the inner workings of Hiroki in particular, who is, um, I don't know how much of a cliche this is, but he's a young boy that um, was raised by a samurai and you get to experience some of his childhood early on in this game. Um, he grows up to be a samurai who is then torn between his desire to find honor in battle, but also his duty to protect others, very kind of like knight um, sort of medieval sort of plot line there. Um, and so you kind of get this tension between like the glory hungry um, Hiroki versus the honor bound Hiroki that will, you know, protect the the townsfolk and how that comes together and intersects and meshes with each other is sort of the key tension of this game. And, you know, once again, I go straight back to the other big samurai game of the last few years, um, Ghost of Tsushima, which did a similar thing. It was all the same sort of kind of like, kind of hokey sort of like my honor versus my ability to be a ninja, which means I guess I stab people in the back. Um, and I, I don't know, I just think I... I kind of want a bit more depth here. There are a couple of interesting side characters that pop up throughout this game, but I feel like they're not completely fully fleshed out. And one feels a little bit like almost a, like she gets damseled at one point or kind of fades to the background a little bit. So that was a little bit disappointing as well. But, you know, I that could shift and change at various points. But I, I think I wanted more from this story than than what I got in the end. But I think that like, what I was getting here was the cinematic vibe of it, if that makes sense. That storyline does seem to follow characters around that are like, they their kind of thing is being a warrior, like, you know, like Klingons in Star Trek. And like, it does seem like that kind of story is forever attached to the characters that like, oh, being a warrior is the big part of my personality. So I need to juggle glory and honor. And it and it doesn't always work out for them. Yeah, and part of me does wonder sometimes, like, are we getting into, like, stereotype territory with Trek of Yomi when it does this because of the way that, like, I guess, like, honor has been such a stereotype in, in ways that Japanese culture is portrayed in media a lot of the times. And so, you know, that was kind of on the back of my mind as playing this. You know, I'm not of Japanese background, so I can't really say, um, like what that might actually feel like to experience, but it was kind of starting to make my eyebrows raise a little bit that we're kind of heading into that territory. And I feel like this game needed to do a little bit more to sort of break down who samurais actually were in medieval ages. Cause like they were not necessarily the greatest people to have around. There's a lot of like stories out there about how samurais were actually terrorizing villages and like taxing people. And there's, there's like, really rich interesting history here this is also something that ghost of sushima didn't really dig deep into it was very focused on telling this idea of like honor bound warriors but not really looking at the historical accuracy of what a samurai actually is that i kind of wish these games would kind of go into with more depth so i don't know it you know it was beautiful game though beautiful <laughs> so in terms of visual styling, I don't think it'd be faulted. It it just looks fantastic. I think they 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 utilize 
they utilize black and white um extremely well um it's beautifully animated um i i, I never found myself wanting like i i never found myself like looking at and going hmm like they could have done better here it just looks it, lo- it looks amazing um yeah i mean like i feel like that is the heart and soul of this game and there's almost a part of me that would almost prefer this to be a visual novel maybe um with like branching dialogue options and a lot more choice in the narrative because that is where the real strength of this game is and i feel like where it falls down a little bit is actually some of the combat and some of the action sequences and i feel like if i could just sit down with this really gorgeous rich cinematic experience and have all these different sort of ways to kind of progress like narratively that felt like I, I could kind of impact that world a bit more, that would be a lot more satisfying to me because I feel like you don't really get to impact the narrative that much. You get to impact the moment-to-moment gameplay, which for the most part is walk into an area, um, fight some enemies, push a cart or some other thing out of the way to walk into another area to fight more enemies, and then a boss or a mini boss and then rinse repeat you're kind of going through these small little chambered battle sequences i didn't really unlock many of the abilities uh, in this game do do they help like kind of like break up the, the gameplay loop they start to kind of pile on very gently and slowly over time so every now and then you'll be going through a level and you'll unlock a new combo or or like a, a new um flurry move or something like that and you can find items in the world that kind of give you passive benefits that can be pretty impactful. But for the most part, I did find that as I was getting more combos unlocked, I still found a rhythm with what worked really well early on and didn't feel much desire to kind of like do a lot of experimenting or feel forced to do a lot of kind of new stuff. Um, There are a couple of ranged enemies towards like at various points of the game that did require a bit of a mix up in how I was approaching things. But to be honest, it felt like I was unlocking similar things throughout. Like, yes, you get a new interesting sword combo and it can stun an enemy and that's kind of fascinating. Um, But once you unlock two or three abilities that can do different sword combos that end with a stun, you're kind of in a place where it's like, okay, well, I'll use the one that's easiest for me to pull off. Um, And that's kind of where it sort of went towards after a while. It didn't. It felt like things were unlocking, but they didn't feel as dramatically impactful as I kind of would have hoped to experience in a game like this. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, I I kind of enjoyed the cinematic experience of playing Trek to Yomi, but found myself over time starting to fatigue a little bit with the combat, which just wasn't really keeping pace with um, just the visuals and the beautiful areas that you go the interesting environments that you explore and some of the kind of more interesting kind of metaphysical almost allegorical places the story goes later on like i can't i don't want to spoil it too much but you start heading into some very fascinating locations that are very deeply personal to the main character hiroki um and i kind of enjoyed that swap up a bit it kind of breathed some fresh life into the game at a point that it was starting to get a bit stale So, who do you think this game's for? That is a very good question, right? Like, I think in a lot of ways, it is for someone that has a real love for cinematic games that wants to see something very gorgeous, very beautiful playthrough. Um, There is a variety of difficulty options here. So, if you don't gel with the combat and you want to kind of go on the 
the story journey with this game, you can turn it all down to story mode. And I think that's really good to have that in this game. Um, I, think- I, I love I love story modes in games. Like I am definitely not the greatest, most MLG gamer ever. So I, I do like, even though most of the time I don't end up needing to use it, but I like that it's there and it makes me feel good knowing that I can just throw it back on that and then progress. And then, you know, it's not games traditionally don't really punish you that much for using these modes. So yeah, big fan. Love it. Yeah. Well, playing a game is meant to be fun. So if it starts (laughs) feeling frustrating, it's like, yeah, drop it down. Why not? I think that's, that's the way to play in my mind. And so I'm, I I feel like I strongly recommend this to people who want to experience an interesting cinematic and narrative game, because you do have that option to almost um, make the combat um, quite easy to manage. And I think for people that are sort of hardcore 2D kind of action kind of fans, you might find this a bit hit and miss if you're going in with action as the priority. Um, And I I say that as anyone who's like a fan of action RPGs as well, or just action games like Devil May Cry or whatever, you're not really going to get that here. Um, And in in some ways, it, it, it almost reminds me of like kind of old Flash games in terms of how enjoyable it is for the actual moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, just like kind of like battle combat game where like stick figures would beat each other up back in the... I'm showing my age. This is like early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. It's it's a hard one. It's like I'm struggling to recommend it for anyone who wants to go into the actual combat and action of this game. And maybe that's because I've played games like Hollow Knight, which is really tight with its controls and its combat and it feels so um, enjoyable to play and I've been recently playing Salt and Sanctuary which was sort of like a a 2D Souls-like that came out all the way back in 2016 by a tiny dev team of two people and they really nailed the feeling of like a really um, kind of slick visceral 2D kind of action game then I think there's just a whole bunch of really great kind of indie um, twitchy kind of 2D or, or top-down games that just have really phenomenal combat. Like Hades is another one is a good example where, you know, if, you, if you're if you in for like really fun action combat, like Dead Cells is another, um, you can get them in those games, but I don't think you're going to get them in Trek to Yomi. Trek to Yomi kind of falls a little bit flat on that area, unfortunately. Um, as we've said already about the parrying system and stuff, there's just a bit of like inconsistency and floatiness about it that makes it doesn't feel like it has the crunch and the heft and the precision that you want from a really fun kind of brawly action game. And so that's something that I just kind of warn some people about if that that's the key thing that they're going in for. And also if you're a fan of like classic Japanese cinema, if you love the movies of Akira Kurosawa, this might be a really fun game to play. I think you'd see a lot of the influences and references that the the team are playing with and, and really enjoy it. So that's Trek to Yomi. It's out now on PlayStation 4 and 5, on Xbox One and Series X, as well as the PC. It's also part of Games Pass, I believe. So if you've got that, you can like grab it right now for free. Thanks again to publisher Devolver Digital for providing Sifter with a copy of the game for review. This is Mainstream. This has been Mainstream by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing. You can read a written version of my thoughts on Trek to Yomi on the Sifter website. We've stuck a link in the show notes of this episode, which you can find in your favorite podcast player. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. And thanks to Omni Studio for their support with Sifter's three podcasts. 
Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Kyle Paletto, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Lang, Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is my co-host on this episode and he's also our senior producer. And Gianni DiGiovanni is our executive producer. And Adam, where can listeners find Sifter on the internet and uh, check out some of our other work? Uh, you can give Sifter a follow on social media as well as Sifter HQ on Twitter or Instagram. And we've got a Discord. So you can head to sifter.com.au forward slash Discord to join the Sifter Discord community. It is like a safe, happy hug on the internet. Discord is my happy place and Twitter is definitely not. So come say hi to us there. And uh, we've also got other podcasts, Lightmap, uh, which is our interview podcast with game developers. We actually have real game developers on that show that make these things and they give us the their creative process and uh, what they do and their inspiration of why they do such cool things and make the interactive media we love. We also have Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly recap of the news in video games. That's all the new release announcements, controversies, uh, what games you can find in stores each week. Um, And this, of course, is Mainstream Sifter's review podcast where we check out the games that we've been playing. They can be mainstream, they can be a little bit indie, all sorts of things, and we tell you what we think of them. So head to our head to your podcast player of choice and type in Sifter and give us a follow. Uh, check out all three. You can chuck them all in your follow and let us know. That's Lightmap, Walkthrough, and Mainstream for free. And we've also got a website. <laughs> you can hit us up at sifter.com.au. We've got articles, pieces, videos, and a whole lot more that you can check out there, as well as archives of all of our podcasts too. And if you want to chuck a bit of cash our way and look good while doing it, we also have a lot of fun merch. I've got another nice a next collection of designs that are Australian design, and you can find that on sifter.store. And support independent gaming journalism, and that address again is sifter.store. Uh, Thanks, have fun, and we'll see you later. Bye. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 